Today's scripture reading is from Luke's Gospel, chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed the sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must say, stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. Well, good morning. I am Pastor Tammy Roach. I'm the adult ministries pastor here at Alleluia, and I too want to welcome you to worship today. Uh, We are in the second week of our three-week sermon series, Three Steps to Better Relationships. And last week, Pastor Mark talked about what it means to move from selfish to selfless. This week, we will look at the dynamic between technology and human interaction and the possible effect that technology has on our relationships and how we live in the world. I want to begin today by watching this video. When you were a kid, what did you do for fun? So we go blueberry picking, for instance. Uh, just that's so cute. <laughs> We grew watermelons, um, plantains. I found an old sign which was big enough for me to sit on. It made a great toboggan. It was very slick, very fast. (laughs) I had a few fish in my basket, and I looked up on this bluff, and here's this black bear sitting there watching me. If he starts chasing me, I'm going to keep throwing the fish out of my basket until he's gorged and and he won't bother me. And what did you like to do for fun? You know, you go door to door, get a group of kids, and you play uh, lots of games, uh, hide and seek, just going out to the field and playing baseball. And we build these massive forts, you know, the kind that you can actually sit in and and, and play in, you know, with, with our friends, and it was just really wonderful. So what do you like to do for fun? Video games, definitely. I like to go on my phone, text. Some email. My favorite thing to do in the world is definitely watching videos and playing video games. Those take up so much of my time. Three hours or t- three to four hours a day. Same. Five hours straight. Just last week, I watched 23 episodes of a TV series in less than four days. I forget. I'm in a house. I have parents. I have a sister. I have a dog. I just think I'm in the video game, I completely get lost. I would die if I don't have my tablet. Whenever I feel upset, I'd play video games and I'd feel normal. It's really wonderful. When your daughters grow up, your great-great-grandkids, what do you think will happen if this trend continues? It's scary to think that they'll never have to leave the house. Cindy grew up uh, doing a lot of the things that I did and, and enjoyed. 
And I see what uh, my grandsons are doing today, and it's, uh, it's mind-boggling. By the time they have kids, it's going to be a really different environment. I actually feel a little sad because I feel like he's missing out on what's out there in the beautiful world. Today's generation lives a completely different world than the one that we knew growing up. The youth of today are the first generation to grow up completely in the digital era. And in some ways, like the mom in the video, it makes me sad to think about all the things our kids are missing out on because they are so reliant on their phones, their tablets, their gaming devices, and the TV. The problem, however, is not technology itself, but rather our mishandling of technology and the ways in which we let it rule over our lives. For some, the idea of going even a short amount of time without access to a phone and all that it provides is a bit mind-boggling. So before we go any farther for this message today, I want you to try something with me. I want to do a little experiment. If you have your mobile phone with you, I want you to pull it out of your purse or your pocket or wherever you have it hidden and hold up your phone. Just hold it up. Look around you. This is the reality of life. Nearly everyone over the age of 12 has some sort of device and many much younger than that. See, we're not getting rid of screens. Technology is only going to become greater, more convenient, and more efficient. So our best strategy is to learn how to have healthy relationships with them so that we can have healthy relationships with one another. Okay, so don't put your phone away yet. You need to stay with me a few minutes. All right, so in one hand, I want you to hold your phone with, your right, with one hand, and I want your pointer finger out on the left, and I want you to go to your settings. Go to the settings on your phone. Okay. On the count of three, I want you to push the airplane mode button. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Now put your phone away and take a breath. For those of you in the know, you understand that you have just disabled yourself from cellular data, from Wi-Fi, from location services, and more. You are completely detached from anyone not in this room. How does that feel? Some of you may feel completely unaffected. Congratulations, I wish I were you. Some of you may actually feel a sense of freedom. But I'm guessing that a small majority of you are feeling a bit anxious, even the slightest amount. It's okay, let that feeling of anxiety sit with you for just a minute. Now I invite you that if you have a good reason to turn your airplane mode back off, a sick relative perhaps, or a kid in nursery, please go ahead and turn your phone back on. But for the rest of you, I want to encourage you to leave it that way for the remainder of the service. And if you're lucky, maybe you'll forget that you've done that and be cell phone free for the rest of the day. So let's go ahead and return for our text today. No, not the text you just got from your neighbor that you're talking about the game, 
but our scripture text for today. Luke 19, 1 through 10, when Jesus encounters Zacchaeus in Jericho. If you have your worship Bible, it's on page 852. Luke 19, verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief collector, and he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. So what did we just learn about Zacchaeus? We learned that Zacchaeus was a tax collector. We learned that he was wealthy, and we learned that he was short. Now these three descriptors tell us that Zacchaeus was not well-liked, probably because he used his status to take advantage of the poor and the less fortunate. Now we cannot say this for sure. The only indication that this might be a possibility comes in verse 8 when Zacchaeus says, if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Still, the reputation of a tax collector makes us believe that this is true. So in spite of his wealth, he was a man on the margins. He was an outsider. See, even the word short in this context tells us something, that yes, he was too short to see over the crowd, but in this context, it also tells us that he had a poor moral standing among his neighbors who in doubt no doubt despised him. So Zacchaeus was eager to see who Jesus was, and he climbed the sycamore fig tree. Let's return now to our scripture. We're going to pick up in verse 5. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. See, when Jesus reached the spot, the very tree in which Zacchaeus climbed, he looked up. He acknowledged him, and he told him to come down. Essentially, Jesus is saying, you are worthy of my time. You, an outcast, a man on the margins, is worth my actual presence and my undivided attention. Jesus was inviting Zacchaeus into a relationship, and Zacchaeus welcomed him gladly. Now, if this were another message, I might spend a little bit more time discussing verse 7 and the reactions of the crowd, but today the message is on the relationship-building interaction between Jesus and Zacchaeus. So we are jumping to verse 8, where Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here I am, and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay it back four times the amount. See, as a result of this interaction with Jesus, Zacchaeus was a changed man. His life was affected. He gave more than what was required to those in need, and he promised to pay back anything he had cheated out of anybody. With the help of Jesus, his relationships were being reconciled. 
Not only were his relationships being restored, but Zacchaeus was taking step to make things right in his relationship with God. Within this text, we see a relationship building movement. And I want to take a look at that piece by piece right now. First of all, we recognize that Zacchaeus was curious. See, he wanted to see Jesus and he desired to know him. The second thing we notice is that Jesus looked up. See, he noticed Zacchaeus and he saw the opportunity to invite Zacchaeus into a relationship. This is an interaction between two willing people who are open to the possibility. The third thing we notice is that Zacchaeus accepted the invitation and as a result he was a changed man. He was saved, if you will. And finally, Jesus revealed a blessing. Today salvation has come to this house. For I came to seek and to save the lost. The beginning of a relationship had been established and a blessing was revealed. Zacchaeus was seen, heard, welcomed, and loved. And as a result, he promised to live a different life. This story is about how engaging in personal relationship, especially the one with our living Christ, has the power to change a person. Such a relationship has the power to change you. Imagine how different this story could have been how it would have looked differently if either Zacchaeus or Jesus had not stepped out in faith and opened themselves up to the possibility of this relationship. What if Zacchaeus stayed home doing this? Or this? Or what if Jesus walked through Jericho doing this? Imagine what that text string might look like if Jesus walked through life with his head down, like many of us do. I'm tired. It's been nonstop casting out demons, healing people, feeding 5K. I hear ya. I just need to zone out, but these people won't stop following me. Just keep your head down, Jesus. Pretend you don't see them. No joke. I think a guy just climbed a tree. Well, don't look up. I looked. Jesus! Ugh, gotta go, I made eye contact. You know you've done it. You see your neighbor at the store but you just don't have the time or the energy to interact. So you keep your head in your phone, and then you act surprised. Oh, hey, texting with my kids. We can't share 
how deep and wide the love of Christ. If our eyes are only seeing this much of the world. Yes, it's easier to keep our heads down. It's easier to ignore the living world around us or to avoid engaging in real life, face-to-face -face conversation. But is it worth it? What relationship might you be missing out on? Who might need you to notice them? See, in my book, the, way, the stakes are way too high to live this way. Because we need real human interaction. We are made for physical relationships, not virtual relationships. We need touch. We need eye contact. We need to hear real laughter. See, all of these things are scientifically shown to lift our moods and help us feel more connected. God made us for relationship and to be connected as one body in Christ. But please don't misunderstand me in this message. I'm not saying that technology is bad or that you should never use technology. In many ways, our planet has never been more connected because the advances of today are helping us stay connected with childhood friends or family members that have moved thousands of miles away. For friends who can't meet in person, technology helps them stay connected. As just about any teenager today, and they will say that the various types of social media actually help them stay more connected to their friends. See, this generation of teenagers has more homework and more scheduled activities than any before it. And yes, parents, we did that to them. But because they hardly have any free time, much of their social life is online. Today's youth just socialize different than we do. It's not necessarily a bad thing, it's just different. But hear me, both teenagers and adults, we have to be careful that our use of technology is not hindering our relationships, but rather building them up. See, the reality is we do need human interaction and real face-to-face -face contact. We need to be fully present to those around us and not distracted by the dings and the vibrations of that tiny little computer attached to our hip or to our wrist. We need to be intentional about protecting that precious time we have with our family, our friends, our neighbors, and those in need. We need to be intentional about developing and sustaining life-giving relationships. It's vitally important to our overall health and well-being. See, the key is just to find a balance, to know when to use technology and when to put it away. 
The key is to be truly present to those around you and to let your insecure need to escape and the selfish desire to zone out. We need to allow space to be in community with God and others and to experience the fullness of our humanity as God created us. Do you have a healthy relationship with the screens in your life? Whatever that may be. You're not sure? Well, let me ask you a few evaluating questions. Do you have a tendency to use technology as a way to distract instead of to feel? Do you find yourself substituting electronic relationships for physical ones? Do you use electronic media to make confrontation easier? Do you spend more time on the internet or in front of the TV than you do with your family or friends? Do you use it to avoid eye contact and engaging with people in public? Are you checking Facebook or Pinterest instead of doing your Bible study? These are just a few questions that you should ask yourself about your personal use to determine whether or not you have healthy, a healthy relationship with the screens in your life. See, because if you answered yes to any of these questions, it's time to make a change and restore balance again. Here is my challenge for you for this week and beyond. My challenge for you is to be like Jesus. Be like Jesus in your everyday interactions. Notice people. Make them feel welcomed and worthy of your attention. So the next time you go through a drive-thru to pick up food, put down your phone or whatever it is that causes you distraction and make eye contact with the person in the window. Show him or her that you noticed that you actually see the person behind the hand that's providing you your bag of food. You will be surprised by the response that you'll get when you do that. It's amazing. Just by letting the person know that you see them as worthy. Or the next time you go to the grocery store, keep your phone in your purse or your pocket the entire time, but especially when you're in the checkout line. Don't avoid eye contact and miss out on the possible connection that you will make with the people around you. See, not only could you notice someone who might really need to be acknowledged, but you might just find yourself spiritually uplifted because maybe you needed that connection too. Make every meal with your family or friends device-free zones. No one, adult or child, should have access to their phones or any other screen during a meal. You should be enjoying one another, the time together and the interaction that you share. Be intentional because your time with them is so precious. 
And this one small step can teach your children a valuable lesson about being present to and with those around you. And finally, when you are in conversation with anyone, put your phone down, put it away, and give that person your undivided attention. Show them that you, show them that they are worthy of your time. Don't miss out on the opportunity to be Christ in the world because a blessing may just be revealed to you also. Let's pray. Good and gracious God, we have been given a challenge today, Lord, and we ask that you help us with this challenge, this challenge to be like you, to be Christ in the world. Help us to notice people to really see them, Lord, to make eye contact. Lord, this is not always difficult because life can be challenging and we are tired and sometimes we have insecurities to overcome. Sometimes, Lord, we just want to zone out. But Lord, you are called us, you have called us into relationship with you and with others in our community. And Lord, we need your help. We need your help to walk boldly, to notice and let people know that they are worthy. We ask for your help as we move forward throughout this week. We thank you for the gift of your son on the cross. It's in his name we pray. Amen.